Well, it's good to be with you today, talking today about false prophets. There are a lot of false prophets out there, but there are a lot of true ones too. <clears throat> and it's sometimes easy to make wrong choices when we listen to wrong people. When I was growing up, I think I've shared before that my family didn't go to church. Um, they didn't. My mom started going when I was just, well, 15, ready to go on 16. My, my dad started at the same time. <clears throat> and my mom, I think I shared before how that she uh, wanted me to go and I wasn't interested. And when I turned 16, she said, would you like to drive the car? And I said, sure. And she says, well, if you go to your church youth group, you could drive there and back. So I went, and a block away from the church, there was this cute girl walking down the street. So between the girl and the church, I was going regularly, not just the youth group. Um, the girl and the driving, I mean, that I went to church. Um, <clears throat> so that was my first experience with church, but actually, I had gone a couple of times with some cousins, and it was nice, and I liked the singing, but that was about it. Um, but I, I had a friend in fifth grade, he just moved into town, and he and I, he lived about a mile from me, and we'd go out in the woods together and with our BB guns. And uh, He invited me to their church youth group. They had a, a game night uh, on Wednesday nights or some night, and so I went with them. And it was baseball, so I wasn't all that interested. Uh, the church had a weird name. It was called Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. Later, I connected with Mormons. Uh, but uh, anyway, I wasn't interested in baseball, so I didn't go back, and he and I quit hanging around, and they moved. But uh, then <clears throat> I started going to church with my mom, and my dad started going to another church. He didn't like the ones that talked about salvation and the need to repent and that kind of stuff. So he went to one called Unity School of Christianity. It was actually a break-off of Christian science, which is neither Christian nor science, but we'll get to that later. Um, <clears throat> but um, he wanted me to go with him. So I went a couple of times. I wasn't that interested in his stuff. <clears throat> but um, then I went off to college, and I came back after my first year from college, and uh, he was still wanting me to go to church with him, and I wasn't interested. And then he required me to go see another pastor, um, who was in a, a liberal denomination and uh, get some counseling, some spiritual direction. So I went to see him and I was not impressed. I came home and a couple days later I went out and I started packing my car with my belongings because if I had to go to that kind of stuff, I was leaving. And my dad saw me packing and he came out and said, what are you doing? And I told him that I was not going to to live here anymore because he was requiring me to go see that guy. And he said, if you're leaving, I'm leaving too. I'm going to leave your mom and everything. And uh, I said, well, he says, okay, you don't have to go see that guy. So I stayed. <laughs> and he did too. Uh, but uh, that was some experiences that I had with false prophets. I had some of them before I even knew about the Lord. 
but I knew there was something messed up there. Our text today is from Matthew chapter 7. Can I have that? Okay. Starting at verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, for your instruction, which is very helpful, very protective, and also very firm and and kind of scary. But thank you that you are a good prophet, the good prophet, and you bear good fruit. Thank you for protecting us from all the false garbage that's out there. And I pray that you'll speak to us today and help us to identify the wrong paths, to walk the right paths, and to help others walk the right paths. We open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Identifying false teachers can be tricky sometimes. They are deceptive. Jesus said they're wolves in sheep's clothing. The wolves are what ate the sheep, and yet they pretend to be one but they devour the sheep, and false teachers are there looking good, trying to look good, trying to get attention, but not really interested in the sheep. They're interested in devouring the sheep. They're interested in themselves and their own egos and their own agendas. They use Christian vocabulary. They have good credentials very often. They have charm, very emotionally appealing, very relational and very deadly. They include a lot of good things in their teaching, but they mix in just enough garbage to be poison. It's like a glass of delicious milk with a teaspoon of arsenic. It's mostly good milk, but there's enough stuff in there to kill you. And that's the way with false teachers. They say a lot of very good, helpful, important things, but they mix in there enough stuff to disannul the good things that they've said, to lead you down a wrong path, to lead you to destruction. They are motivated not by loving concern for people, but by their own greed and selfishness. The paths of the world look very fulfilling because they promise satisfaction of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And they promise deliverance from the consequences. (laughs) But the false teachers don't offer what's really important, what really brings life and peace and joy. The key to avoiding deception, Jesus uses an analogy of trees and fruit. And I love the wording here in Greek. You know, I'm a little nerdy, and I like looking at the Greek sometimes. But it really says, a morally good tree produces aesthetically beautiful fruit. It's a good tree produces good fruit. 
but it's, it's a healthy tree, a morally good tree that'll produce beautiful fruit. And a corrupt tree produces rotten fruit. So you know it by the fruit. What's the end results? What were the results in my father's life and my mother's life? Very different. I love my father. I honor him. But he was an angry, self-centered person. And my mother was a very sacrificial, loving person. And the difference was Jesus in their hearts. When my dad was a little boy, about seven or eight years old, he went to a church service and the preacher there was preaching and he was preaching about hell and damnation and judgment. My dad went away scared to death and he said, I'm never going back to hear those kind of preachers again. And he chose the kind that give the very liberal, uh, everything is fine and just think positively and everything will turn out okay. But it never helped him deal with the anger and resentment and the greed that lived inside of him and that he dumped out on others, including his family. My mother, she didn't grow up in a religious home either, but she came to the Lord. And the Lord touched her beautifully and powerfully. And she showed a lot of grace, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of mercy. A morally good tree produces beautiful fruit. A corrupt tree produces rotten. The nature and the quality of the fruit reflects the nature and the quality of the tree. And so it is with each of us. What kind of fruit are you producing? So how do we evaluate the fruit of a prophet, of a teacher, of a spiritual leader. One is the fruit of their lips. What are they saying? Are they saying things that build people up? Are they saying things that are biblically true? Or are they saying things people like to hear? Then there's the fruit of their lifestyle. I love the description of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Do you see these kinds of fruit in the spiritual leaders that you're following? I think you see it here in this church. But there's a lot of spiritual leaders that don't have that kind of fruit in their lives. They're very dynamic, powerful people. They aren't really godly, humble, gentle, gracious people. You see the fruit in the ministry. Not just how successful are they, how much money can they raise, how big of an audience can they get, but how many lives can they really touch? Are they really ministering to the needy people of the world, the orphans and the widows, the lost, those that are controlled by addictive substances? Are they really reaching out to the oppressed, to the hurting, to the abused, or they are, are they just interested in building an empire? Are they motivated by greed, wanting to get more and more and build a big reputation? Are they, are they interested in really touching lives and changing lives and bringing people to Christ to be transformed by the power of the gospel? Are they motivated by love or grief? There are a lot of examples today of false, false prophets out there. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Other religions, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, the Unitarian Universalist Church, they preach a lot of, some of them preach good morals, 
Some of them are very legalistic and controlling. They talk about God, but they don't talk about Jesus as a transforming, saving, loving Savior. There are a lot of sects and cults. I mentioned the Mormons. I mentioned the Christian Science and the Unity School of Christianity, which is a breakoff of the Christian Science. There's a lot of weird churches out there, some of them professing to be real Christian churches. They use the term Christian, but they aren't really. They don't preach the full gospel. Many of them reject the Trinity, the unique divinity of Jesus Christ. They'll say, yes, Jesus is God, aren't we all? They reject the unique authority of Scripture and the means of salvation by grace, through faith, alone, not works. They'll mix, yes, we're saved by grace and works, and they mix it together. And a lot of them will integrate the weird stuff. We live in a contemporary culture, a culture that has abandoned not just Christianity, but God himself, the belief in God. We live in a world that says, if it feels good, do it. Don't follow all those religious fanatics down on Grant Street. <laughs> they tell you all the stuff you're not supposed to do. You can go ahead and do it. It's okay. But the works of the flesh are destructive. They aren't wrong just because God made a list of all the fun things we like to do and said, well, let's see how much they're willing to give up. They're things that are inherently destructive to us. Most of you know I've spent a lot of years working with people involved in addiction. They go there because it's fun, because it's an escape from their pain, and it destroys their lives. It breaks relationships. It ruins their ability to function, and it ends up killing them. Sin is sin. It is wrong not because it's a list of things God arbitrarily said, oh, we'll see how much they're willing to give up. The sin is sin because it destroys us. And religions that try and allow you to go ahead and live a life in sin are false. They're wrong. They're hurtful. They're destructive. So what are the identifying characteristics of all these false prophets? You'll know them by the fruit, by what they produce and what they do. Christian sects and cults teach bad doctrine. They embrace bad morals. Many of them are very legalistic, and they have all kinds of rules. And if you do the rules, you're okay, and if you don't, you're, you're, you're wrong. The secular world that we live in has become a religion in its own way. It says it's okay to indulge in fleshly things within reason, but they don't offer any boundaries. And the sin nature doesn't know boundaries. It's always wanting more and more and more and has no effective way of restraining, no realistic, not just rules for doing it, but the ability to say no. And that's what Christianity offers. It's not just a list of things to do and not do, but it's the power to be different in our lives. Jesus Christ transforms us so that we can be different. We live in a world that's on a fast track for religious, moral, political, environmental self-destruction. 
and it's driven by false prophets. The false prophets in this world are not, <clears throat> not just religious, but they're also political. They're also moral, social, cultural, and they're making a world that is destroying itself. We are on the verge of self-destruction. <clears throat> Culturally, politically, we're on the verge of nuclear war with Russia and China. We're, in terms of our environment, we're destroying our environment. They're giving us 30 years till it's major, major impact. Our world is falling apart and we have false prophets out there. Who set this up? <clears throat> and who are leading us down the path of self-destruction. <coughs> Excuse me. Ultimately, false prophets tear down our faith, our belief. They provoke diversiveness and bitterness and conflict, and they practice all kinds of ungodliness. That's what false prophets are about. Tearing down what is really true, promoting disharmony, and fighting, and leading us into all kinds of ungodly behavior and response to others. Paul illustrates the requirement, well, I'll get to that in a minute, but Jesus talks about false prophets to warn us, to help us not go there, and to pronounce judgment on them. They will give account in eternity. God does not take these people lightly. He will hold them accountable with eternal destruction. They will cut down and cast into the fire these false prophets, these bad trees. Driving into church as I drove past Laurel's house on the right, her house was on the left, and on the right was a tree that had just been blown down the other day in that bad w wind and rain that we had. And it was a beautiful tree, it looked great. But after it fell down, you could see the trunk was about this much of the trunk was still standing there and the rest of the tree fell down. And what you could see of the trunk was it was nice on the outside, but the inner core was all rotten. It was dead and rotten on the inside, had no life in there. There was enough life to get the trees green and leaves and all that stuff and it looked great but inside, it was dead. And when the storm came along, it fell. And that's what's true about the false prophets. They look good on the outside, but inside they're rotten and dead. And the ministry that they do looks good, but inside it's rotten and dead. You can tell morally good prophets by their fruit. You see it in their lives and their ministry. And it's true with all spiritual leaders and with all Christians. Paul lists and illustrates this very beautifully when he talks about the requirements for elders and deacons in Timothy. That they're godly people. What you want to look at is not, not just uh, flowery speech that sounds good and makes you feel good. But what you want to look at is people who have lives that are filled with integrity and morality and love and caring for others. And that's what God calls us to. 
We are to be prophetic to the world around us. Each one of us is to have a prophetic ministry out there. And we are to have these high moral standards that just don't look good. Like there's some very excellent preachers on TV, and there are some that are just not up to it. I remember we had a lady one time I spoke about negatively about one of the preachers on TV, and she left our church. She was very offended that I would say something about, bad about that guy. Two years later, it came out that he was, life was filled with affairs. <laughs> he was living a very immoral lifestyle. She didn't come back, but whatever. <clears throat> but we, as Christians, have a testimony in the world around us. We are to be prophets bringing life to people. We don't want to just have a good presence out there. We want to have integrity and morality and love and compassion and make significant difference in the world around us and let the love of Jesus Christ shine through us. We want to be a prophetic voice that speaks out against unrighteousness, injustice, but also preaches love and grace and truth in Christ Jesus. Will you not only follow good prophets, but will you also be like the worship ministry to come down now? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a standard for us that helps us recognize false prophets from true prophets. And we pray that you will help us not just to listen to the right prophets, but to be a prophetic voice in our own community, to be your instruments of grace, holding forth the word of truth in the midst of a world that's really confused and messed up and going in all kinds of wrong directions. Help us to not be distracted or deceived, but help us to be lights in the midst of darkness. In Jesus' name.